A few years back in 1995, the Missouri Tigers played Indiana's Hoosiers in the NCH uh, tournament. It was the first round game, and it was on St. Patrick's Day. And when I say Indiana and Missouri, you know that I mean Norm Stewart and Bob Knight. And we're great, uh, greatly happy to have the former Mizzou coach with us right here today, Norm Stewart. Coach, how you doing? Uh, good, Kevin. You reminded me of a lot of things. I, that was a heck of a ball game, and uh, neither one of us at that time thought our ball clubs, while we've always had good representative teams and competitive and, and maybe won games, but when you when you look at yourself, you're pretty tough on yourself. And Bobby and I both decided that that wasn't the year that we were going to win the national championship, but we still had a heck of a ball game. Well, you not only had a heck of a ball game, but we'll get into what happened the next uh, two days later when you played and you almost beat the national champs. But that night, uh, you guys ended up winning the game, trailing at halftime. Was there anything – I mean, th- this meeting of legendary coaches doesn't happen all that often. And, in fact, the only time in your guys' career that you coached against each other. Isn't that odd? Well, it is. And then that that meeting caused us to get together and schedule the games. And then <laughs> shortly thereafter, as you know, I retired. And Bobby called me and he said, what are you doing? He said, the only reason we're playing is because you and I got together. <laughs> I said, well, you'll enjoy the game. So <laughs> we so played, you... of course, we wouldn't play in Bloomington or in Columbia. I think both those games were probably played in St. Louis and Indianapolis. That would have been the way to do it. Um, but that you be, have that to. That would be to... when they, the uh, following years that, yeah. that, that occurred. That game would make you, though, one of the only, if not the only, coaches to have an unbeaten record against Bobby Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, very uh, tough ball game. We won, uh, on, and uh, what's interesting, to, again, to both of us, was uh, such a fundamental game, and it was won because uh, there wasn't a the block out, there wasn't a screen out, and we got a tip in to uh, win, to get the winning basket. Well, there aren't many times when two coaches get together and each has won 659 games. That was another oddity going into that game. You guys had the exact same amount of wins to your name. And, of course, as we mentioned, your your ball club won the game. But it was – what I found uh, interesting in that game as well is that Prior to the game, at least from the account I read, when you were talking to your team, you you thought that the hardest game to play would be Indiana and not top-seeded UCLA, who you would face in the next game should you beat Indiana, because you felt like UCLA was overlooking you, thinking Indiana was going to win. You've got a great memory (laughs) or great research, because that's exactly true, I we always had our team come to our house uh, when the games were going to be announced and who you were going to play in the NC2A. And after that, uh, after the announcement was made, I got our players together. We were at our home in Columbia. I told the players, I said, now, let me tell you something. You guys, I know how most of you look at the brackets and you already 
figured out who we're going to play here and who we're going to play there. I said, the only game I'm looking at is Indiana. But I'm going to tell you, you all are looking at the number one seed, UCLA. And I said, this game will be tougher than that game will be. If you win this game, it will be tougher. You'll have a really a, a better ball game. And, of course, my players uh, didn't question me. But I feel just like you said that uh, everybody would overlook. They didn't think that Missouri was going to beat Indiana. And I don't think the UCLA players even knew, uh, you know, where Missouri was located. And uh, I thought that that would give us an advantage, and it did. But we played a terrific, terrific ball game. Uh, We didn't have that great of a game against Indiana, but we played a terrific ball game against UCLA. And, uh, and, uh, you know, um, the only thing great that came out of that was we got Tyrus Edme a lifetime job. (laughs) That's so true. Tyrus Edney racing in four seconds the length of the floor uh, to score at the buzzer when you guys had the game won. I'm sure that uh, probably still gives you nightmares watching that. I'll never forget calling you the day after. And my my young son, Troy, was very young then. And he got on the phone with you and he said, Coach, I'm sorry. How does it feel? And when you got back on the phone with me, you said, I was nice to Troy, but you know just how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one. Uh, one of the very toughest losses uh, that we ever experienced. And uh, as you know, when you play a thousand games, uh, all of them aren't going to come out the way you want them. But that that one, uh, with everything riding on it, was one of the real tough ones. Uh, that and a lot of things pop up uh, in the memory bank when you start going through and, and uh, looking at games and games played and incidents that happen. Uh, probably not as prominent, and I've always tried not to complain. But there's a, another situation that comes up in my history that really, really uh, is concerning. That that game is concerning because uh, we had the, we had the opportunity then to, if we take them out, then uh, we've got a little bit better field to run on, and uh, we didn't quite get it done. But you guys had in my opinion, a, a really good team, even though it wasn't your best record ever. It was still a very good record. And you had a lot of good components. You had Paul Olinney, who arrived to shoot the, the deep ball. Julian Winfield, who made what would have been the winning basket. There are a lot of players. That, that was a, a very good team that played very well together. Yeah. Uh, Paul Olinney, uh, of course, all of us, uh, that was 20 years ago or so, whatever it was. But Paul O'Linney was one of the best competitors that I ever had. And uh, he, he kept it. He, and now, of course, now my mind goes to competing people. I had a lot of great competitors. But uh, Ricky Frazier was a great competitor. But Paul O'Linney uh, was a guy that uh, he, he told me before the season, I asked him, how do you he won a national championship when he was in junior college. And I said, how'd you do that? 
And he said, well, uh, guys were just sitting around one day. And he said, I said, let's win a national championship. And he said, so we did. I said, you know, I didn't know it was that easy. <laughs> so uh, I said, you, you get our guys together and I'll, I'll, I'll be sure and take you all to the ball games and I'll stay out of your way. But uh, Paul Lenny was a heck of a competitor and he had a tremendous ball game. I, I couldn't give you the stats on it, but he shot the eyes out of it. He, he could shoot the ball from the outside. You know, I mentioned what a great team that was, and he could really shoot it. You're right. Uh, Bobby Knight said after the after you guys beat him, he said, if I were the Missouri coach, I would refuse to comment on individuals because that was a great team effort, your win over them. Th- those are the kinds of things that make a coach feel proud, right, Coach? Yeah, I'm having a little bit of difficulty uh, receiving your message. Okay, can you hear me better now? Yeah, got it. Got it. Okay. I was talking about after the game, Bobby Knight said, if I were the Missouri coach, I would refuse to comment on individuals because that was a great team effort. And I was just mentioning what a team that was. And I would imagine as a coach, that makes you proud, knowing that the other coach thought your team beat them and not one guy or two guys. Yeah, uh, it does. And uh, that was a good team. And, and a lot of that, again, you mentioned two people very important, Julian and, uh, and Paul Lenny. Uh, they they were good team players. Uh, they people relied on them uh, to do certain things, but they uh, they kept everybody together. When you go up against a UCLA as the number one seed, like you did after beating Indiana, and you had told your players the tough game was Indiana, did that make your team you think relax more going up against someone like that? Because hey, what do we got to lose? Everybody expects us to lose this one. <laughs> oh, there's always a little psychology, and uh, you try to you try to use things that you can to your advantage, but you have to be you have to be a little cautious because uh, you're. I always felt like I was dealing with uh, people that were uh, very good students, and so you know the the line fell in there someplace where you had to be reasonable about what you were telling them. And I thought that, I really thought that was very reasonable and something maybe that they had not thought about, that that uh, everybody in the press and so on would just assume that uh, Indiana would win and play UCLA. And I, I think it worked to our advantage. And sometimes you can use things like that. But again, there's a fine line in there because you're dealing with, you're dealing with an intelligent human being. <laughs> yeah, you you can't be you can't tell them Santa Claus is coming tonight. They're not going to buy that, right? <laughs> you can, but, but uh, they won't listen anyway. So. <laughs> Coach Norm Stewart is visiting with us. We're reminiscing about the game in 1995, the Mizzou Indiana game in the NCAA tournament. The only time that Coach Knight coached against Coach Stewart in their long history, but the victory went to Mizzou, and then. Uh, the UCLA game followed. Uh, the NCAA tournament is upon us again, Coach. Uh, it won't be the same this year. As a coach, what would, how would you handle this no fans in the arena business? Because i got to believe that basketball players, like any athlete, feed off of the energy of the crowd. Yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's, to me, that is really true. Maybe basketball more so than uh, 
I'm just trying to think through the sports. Uh, all of them, all of them have. To me, the crowd has some effect. But basketball is something that you grow up with with a crowd, and it affects it affects everybody involved in the game, from the coaches down through the officials, uh, the whole bit. And so, uh, I, it, it would be completely. I've watched it now, and uh, it it seems they're leveling out a little bit, but it's still. Uh, it still would change if you you put 15, of course, for the final four, you put 35, 40, 50, 60,000 people in there, and it can change the game. Absolutely. I've always believed in that as well. You know, they did a study a few years ago. I don't know how they did the study, but referees admitted that they called more fouls against the, vis- the visiting team because of the crowd in home arenas. They were intimidated by the crowd, and it affected the way they called a game, which doesn't surprise me, but you want to shake them by the head and say, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's a great game. I'm, I'm, I heard uh, Mark Few say the other day, Coach Gonzaga, uh, he's got the undefeated team. There's a lot of pressure. I say a lot of pressure, a lot of attention coming that way because he's undefeated and he's got a chance to tie Bobby's, uh, uh, the last guy to go undefeated and win a national championship. And uh, I, it, it's really it's it's fascinating as to who can create a situation where that crowd is for you. And uh, regardless of where you're playing, and that happens, and that happened, uh, I think that happened with Coach Wooden. That a lot of a lot of people might have been against him, but there were more people that were for him, and so he had a, he had a good crowd situation. I think that happens in basketball. Most definitely does. Mark Few mentioning that he's got the pressure with the unbeaten team, and of course the top overall seed. As a coach, and I know you want to have the best team because that gives you the best chance to win, but it, it, it does kind of open up possibilities like you were talking about a few minutes ago, the psychology of it and the mind games you can play sometimes, but you better be careful with it. But the edge, there's always an, there's always an edge, and you're always looking for an edge. What, as a coach, were you always looking for, depending on who the opponent was, of course? Well, you don't want to give people a, a reason not to like you, you know, you don't go out of your way. To, and the best way to get people to like you is to play like you are, first of all, play like a good player, play like a great player, uh, and play like a team player and hustle. You know, everybody loves to see somebody hustle. And so you can do that hustler hustle plays. Uh, some coaches don't believe that you should leave your feet while you're playing basketball. I always thought that that was one of the things that uh, was the difference between our ball clubs and maybe some other ball clubs because I thought if the ball was loose, uh, the best way to get it back was to dive for it. And uh, when you do something like that, I, I think that a play like that or a, a 
a great attempt to save a ball going out of bounds, you know, within reason, uh, can can gain you some fans and gain you some support. But a good hustle play is one that'll uh, people people always like to see the they like to see talent, but they like to see somebody making a great effort. Exactly, and I, I think there's so much truth in that because when a, when a when a team is hustling, the, the crowd knows it. The crowd can feel it. They can see it. Uh, and, and you recruited certain types of players, I would imagine, Coach. Were there certain qualities that you looked for in the players that you were recruiting? Well, when it came to that, I didn't lean heavily on that. You know, I always I always liked the thing. I had a great friend who's gone now, like so many good guys. But Abe Lemons was a great coach. And... Uh, we were laughing one time. Some we were at a scouting camp, and somebody we were talking about a ball player, and he said all he can do is shoot. And uh, Abe and I looked at one another, and I said, "You know, I'd like to have somebody that that's all he could do was shoot. <laughs> you know, and, and not just shoot, but make them. That's, right. That's always the second ingredient. But the guy that can shoot the ball." and and make the basket and particularly today uh with the three-point line is can really uh can really change change the game completely you know rich grower who coached with you at mizzou as your assistant told uh, me one time when uh, my son was talking with him and he said don't practice shooting practice making <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you just mentioned uh a great coach, Rich Grower. If you look at the history of Missouri basketball uh, and high school basketball, and he was a, did a great job at St. Louis U. But Rich, uh, to me, if you would put down the five coaches that were great high school coaches in the state and you didn't have Rich Grower, in there, uh, there, you might be, you might be institutionalized. But, uh, <laughs> he was, he was really one of the best. He was, you know, he worked with us for a year, and we had a great year. But he was so detailed on everything, and I'm not talking about just practice. I'm talking about uh, the things that we were talking about a while ago uh, that you look for to get an edge. Uh, he, he was tremendous in that regard. Tremendous Coach, individual. Great family. He had a he, wonderful family. They really are, and, and great kids uh, who are basketball players as well. I know Brian played for you. Uh, when you yeah. get a co- when you get a coach's son, what's the difference between coaching a coach's son and other players? Well, uh, many times in that, in that situation, I always figured Brian knew more than I did, <laughs> but because uh, he'd been with his dad. Uh, but uh, they're good, and, and, and they're, they're like everybody else. They're all different individuals. But uh, Brian was certainly a, a good coach's son's player. You know, you didn't you didn't assume he knew it because he was a coach's son. You went ahead and you coached him like like he was a player. But uh, when you had when you had your personal visits and everything. Uh, a lot of good things would come out of it. 
Coach, your teams always shot the ball well, shot a great percentage. So many, many times you led the country in shooting percentage. Today I see teams just run down, let it fly. Nothing seems to be organized. It seems like street basketball a lot more today. But your teams were disciplined on offense, unlike what I think today's game is like. And I think it was a better game then. People are going to say they're better athletes today. I think it was a better game then because there was more strategy offensively and you wanted guys shooting from the spot where you thought they could shoot the best. Yeah, I, you know, Kevin, if you look at the game today, uh, there I don't know how many trips. I don't keep track of anything anymore, but we used to score. We would average, and if you look back through our records, we would average over 70 points a bowl game. Now, did we run? Uh, at times, we were like everybody else. You give us an easy basket, and we'll run like crazy. But uh, uh, the same token, it's like Ricky Frazier. I asked Ricky one time. I said, "Why do we Why do we shoot so well?" And and Ricky could always keep it pretty simple. And he said, "Well, when you shoot it, you want to make it, you know." And he said, "We didn't shoot a shot." He said, the ball players. He said, it wasn't necessarily coaches. And he said, it's part of that is coaching. But basically, the idea is that that player wants to be successful. If he isn't, if he doesn't want to be successful, then he's going to shoot you out of the ball game. If he wants to be successful, he's he's going to take the good shot where he has, where he knows his shot, and and he's going to be successful. When he attempts that shot, and of course that's that's the thing that I've watched today. I don't see a lot of players. The corner shot is the one that you can't give up in the three line today. I mean that everybody it seems to me can can make that basket, but other than that, I don't know where the score line is. The only place that I see that's a real negative is nobody knows about playing from 12 feet in. They don't stop. If you stop at 12 feet, then if the defense comes to you, it's an easy, the passing is easy then. But when you go beyond 12 feet, I was told that you better have a deep voice and some hair on your body (laughs) Uh, because things are going to happen to you when you get inside there. And if you can't play in there, then stop before you get there. And I think, I think our ball players really did a great job of that. Yeah, the pull-up jump shot is sort of a lost art, isn't it? You get to get to that twelve-foot mark and you pull up and shoot it. And if you can't knock down a twelve-footer, maybe you shouldn't be out there. <laughs> well, it, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. And uh, you have to, I have to be careful because I'm an old coach and that's the tag that you're going to get in a hurry if you start coaching again. But uh, I just, I watch that and I watch trying to uh, throw the ball inside. And the inside pass, uh, Kevin, is a, is a tough pass. And consequently, a ball player knows that. And he knows that if he doesn't complete that pass, they're not going to take out the guy that he threw it to. They're going to take it out. He's going to take him out of the ball game. 
So consequently, in his mind, if it isn't, if you don't give him the freedom to throw it in there and make a mistake, he's not going to throw it in there. And that's the first thing that has to be corrected is that, hey, I want you to throw the ball in there. If you got somebody that's open, you got somebody in there that you want to have it, then you throw it to him. Now, if, if you don't throw it to him, that's where the, it gets a little hairy because you've got to go to that player and say, hey, I, I want you to throw the ball into him. And uh, I think that's one of the weaknesses now is that the the inside passing as far as outside to inside is a, is a pretty weak, shallow part of the game today. And a lot of it, it seems to me, and we've talked about this, the players don't know how to feed it inside. Uh, they're, they're feeding it in from the top of the key or somewhere like that rather than getting the right angle. Yeah, yeah. you got you got to throw the ball to that postman from 45 degrees down. And uh, the only time you can feed him from the top is, is a lob pass. And, of course, when you're dealing with lob, then you got to worry about hitting the basket, which is that's always a – that was always my theory was when I would try to play and, and uh, throw that pass, if I uh, hit the basket, that's what I would say. It was just a, it was a, it wasn't a bad pass. It was just a low shot. <laughs> yeah. You tell the coach, look, that wasn't a pass. You got to leave me out there. Just a bad shot. You developed a lot of big men in your career coach. Uh, what is there? Is there something a trick to developing big men versus other players at other positions? Well, uh, find some mother that's got a 6'10", 6'11", son. That's a, <laughs> uh, and you know what was interesting? In the state of Missouri, for I don't know how many years, there weren't, there weren't collectively 10 players. And you would think with as many people as we had, that there would be uh, more than that over a 30-year period. But see, you can go back. My, of course, the greatest big man, and, and maybe one of the, maybe the best one to ever play in the state of Missouri was Stepanovich. And for me, he was uh, he, he was tremendous, not only as a player, but as an individual. Still is today. And he was tremendous. And, of course, again, you put Rich Grower in his background, and that made him that made him that much better. But uh, a big guy uh, has has a lot of advantages in the game, and uh, he has a few disadvantages usually, and and has to do with defense, because if there's a if there's a collision, who caused it? Well, they always give it to the big guy. Uh, that's that's a strange phenomenon, but that's what happens. But uh, the big guy can really control the game, but today the three-point line is controlling the game also. Well, Coach, thanks so much for your time. We we love catching up with you, and the fans love listening to you. All right. Thank you, Kevin. You bet, Coach. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back with more of the King's Court right here, right after this.